Welcome to Murder Minute. Today, the story of Amy Rowe Bechtel. But first, your true crime headlines. A former Major League Baseball player, Josh Hamilton, has been indicted on a charge of felony injury to a child after an incident involving his teenage daughter. The Texas Rangers Hall of Famer is accused of striking his 14-year-old daughter during an argument last September. According to a police affidavit, Hamilton threw a full water bottle at the girl's chest, threw a chair at her, and struck her on the legs with both closed and open fists. The girl reported the incident to her mother, Hamilton's ex-wife Katie, who is best known for her appearance on Bravo's The Real Housewives of Orange County. The couple were married for 11 years and had three daughters before divorcing in 2015. Attorneys for Hamilton say that he is innocent of the charges. He remains free on $30,000 bond, and he has been since turning himself into authorities in October. If convicted, he faces two to ten years in prison. A New Jersey man was charged with violating the governor's stay-at-home orders after he was a victim in a weekend shooting. 23-year-old Shaquem Sanders was working at his recording studio when he and two other men were shot. All three of the men suffered non-fatal injuries. During the subsequent police investigation, it was determined that Sanders' recording studio was operating in violation of the order for non-essential businesses to remain closed. He was charged with a disorderly person's offense, which carries a possible six months in jail and a fine of up to $1,000. The names of the other victims have not been released, and no suspects have been identified in the shooting. In an emergency hearing conducted via teleconference last week, a judge denied bond to accused killer Wyndham Latham, who is in Cook County Jail, awaiting trial for the murder of his boyfriend three years ago. 45-year-old Latham was a microbiologist and a professor at Northwestern University's Feinberg School of Medicine before his arrest in 2017. He and another man, Andrew Warren, allegedly stabbed 26-year-old Trenton James Cornell Duranlu to death as he slept in Latham's bed. Warren has agreed to testify against Latham in exchange for a 45-year sentence. Latham requested release on $1 million bail, arguing that his expertise in infectious diseases could potentially save lives and that underlying medical conditions made him more susceptible to death from the virus if he were to contract it. Chicago's Cook County Jail, where Latham is housed, has seen more than 300 prisoners test positive for the coronavirus, as well as more than 200 workers. Latham's request for bail was denied, and he remains behind bars. Those are your true crime headlines. Up next, Amy Rowe Bechtel. But first, a quick break. Welcome back to Murder Minute. In July of 1997, 24-year-old Amy Rowe Bechtel and her husband Steve Bechtel were newlyweds. The couple first met at the University of Wyoming and were avid fitness enthusiasts. Amy was a competitive long-distance runner and hoped to try out for the 2000 Summer Olympics. Steve was into rock climbing. 
A little over a year after they were married, the Bechtels decided to move to Lander, Wyoming, where the rugged terrain would serve as a perfect training ground for both of them. They bought their first home there and planned to move in at the end of the month. At 9.30 a.m. on the morning of Thursday, July 24th, Steve left to go rock climbing with a friend while Amy headed out to the Wind River Fitness Center to teach a children's weightlifting class. Amy had a long list of errands planned that day in preparation for the move into their new home. She needed to call the phone company, get the gas turned on, and buy home insurance. At 2.30 p.m., she stopped by the Camera Connection photo store and then Gallery 331, where she spoke briefly with the owner, Greg Wagner. Greg would be the last known person to speak to Amy. After she completed her to-do list, the next thing on Amy's agenda was a jog on Loop Road in the Shoshone National Forest. She wanted to map out the course of an upcoming 10K run that she was preparing for. At 4.30, when Steve returned home from his all-day rock-climbing trip, Amy still wasn't back. At 8.15 p.m., when his wife still hadn't returned, Steve decided to visit the neighbors, Todd and Amy Skinner, who were making dinner. At first, Steve wasn't concerned, but as 11 p.m. approached, Steve knew something was wrong. Steve called the Fremont County Sheriff's Office and left a strange message. Uh, yeah, hey, I've got a person missing here, I think, and I wondered if you had a spare around any place. When the Skinners returned home from a movie, Steve went back to them and said that Amy still had not returned and that he hadn't heard from her. The Skinners got into their car and drove along several roads where they believed that Amy might have gone jogging. Steve stayed behind, hoping that she would call. At around 1 a.m., after driving on Loop Road for about an hour, the Skinners found Amy's white Toyota Tercel station wagon parked on a turnout. But no Amy. By 3 a.m., the search expanded dramatically to include police, friends, and family. Eventually, helicopters, dogs, horses, and hundreds of people covered a 30-mile radius searching for Amy Robechtel. In her unlocked car, investigators found Amy's sunglasses, to-do list, and car keys on the passenger seat. Her wallet was missing, but there was no sign of a struggle in or around her vehicle. Only one clue was found, a footprint similar to her sneaker on Loop Road, but it was lost before police could retrieve it. Posters of Amy and yellow ribbons were hung all over the region. But after eight days and thousands of calls and tips leading nowhere, the search was called off. According to one eyewitness who was driving on Loop Road through the forest on the afternoon of her disappearance, a woman resembling Amy Robechtel was seen running along the road wearing black shorts similar to those Amy had worn earlier in the day. 
At first, investigators believed that Amy had fallen and been injured in the forest, been run over on the road, or was attacked by a bear or a mountain lion. But after an extensive search found no trace of her, no evidence of torn clothing, no blood, no bones, police no longer believed that Amy Robechtel's disappearance was an accident. On July 31st, the area was declared a crime scene. The FBI was called in, and the focus of the investigation shifted to Amy's husband, Steve Bechtel. After a search of the couple's home, detectives discovered Steve Bechtel's journals. They contained poetry, sometimes about power and death, describing violence towards women, and specifically Amy. Steve Bechtel denied any involvement in his wife's disappearance and claimed that these were simply lyrics that he had written for his band. He then hired a lawyer, Kent Spence, son of famed defense lawyer Jerry Spence, who advised him not to take a polygraph test. On August 1, 1997, detectives interrogated Steve Bechtel, claiming to have evidence proving that he had murdered his wife. A female camper claimed that around 4.30, she had seen a blue pickup truck matching Steve Bechtel's racing through the forest with a blonde woman in the passenger seat. However, the sighting was later disproved through phone records. Steve made a phone call from his home at 4.43 p.m., the same time as the alleged sighting. Additionally, Steve's friends confirmed his alibi, that he had been rock climbing with them that afternoon. In late August, the FBI requested satellite photos from NASA of the area on the day of Amy's disappearance, but the images provided no clues. Though investigators noted that there were gaps in Steve's activities that day, with no physical evidence and no body, police could make no arrest. Amy's older brother, Niels, was angry and suspicious of Steve's refusal to take a polygraph. The fact that he won't take the test is a huge red flag, he told the New York Times. It's like cutting off another limb. Not only have we lost Amy, but now Steve is being cut off from our family. Niels recalled an incident one night when Amy and Steve had come over for dinner Niels told police that he noticed Amy was bruised and that Amy joked that Steve could get rough sometimes. Amy just laughed it off, would not look me in the eye, Niels said. That is not a normal reaction, particularly for Amy. On February 3rd, 1998, Amy's sisters Casey Lee and Jenny Newton appeared on the Geraldo Rivera show and pleaded with Steve to cooperate with the police. A reward was offered, $100,000 to anyone with information. In March of 1998, People magazine featured the story of Amy's disappearance. In 1999, Unsolved Mysteries. A tip came in from a man named Richard Eaton who believed that his brother, Dale Wayne Eaton, may have been involved. 
The Burnt Gulch area, where her car was found, was a favorite hunting and fishing spot for the brothers, and Richard knew that his brother Dale had been camping in the area at the time of Amy's disappearance. But police suspected that Richard was after the $100,000 reward. And when Dale Eaton's niece provided an alibi, telling police that Dale couldn't have been involved in Amy's disappearance because he was visiting her in Greeley, Colorado on July 24th, the detective dismissed Richard Eaton's tip. In 2004, Dale Wayne Eaton was convicted of the 1988 rape and murder of Lisa Marie Kimmel while serving time in jail on weapons charges. A search of his trailer revealed women's clothing and purses and newspaper clippings about other murdered women. An FBI profiler who examined the case said that Dale Eaton's behavior was consistent with that of a serial killer. Today, Dale Wayne Eaton is widely suspected of committing the Great Basin Murders, which took place between 1983 and 1996. Most of the victims were young women, who initially disappeared, only to be found later murdered. Dale Wayne Eaton is currently the only inmate on Wyoming's death row. Despite sightings all over the country, Amy Rowe Bechtel has never been found. In 2004, Steve Bechtel had Amy declared legally dead and married Ellen Sisman. In July of 2007, ten years after her disappearance, Detective Roger Reiser commented on the cold case. I believe it was a homicide, and I believe what happened to her happened on the day she disappeared. In my mind, there's only one person that I want to talk to. Only one person who has refused to talk to law enforcement, he said to the Billings Gazette. And that is her husband. Amy's mother, Joanne Rowe, added, We still don't know anything about where she is and what's become of her. And we have concerns that after all these years, Amy's husband has still not agreed to work with law enforcement and answer questions. We are still waiting for Steve to come forward so that he can be cleared. It's the only way he can clear himself from being a person of interest. Amy Rowe Bechtel has been missing for 22 years, 8 months, and 3 days. This has been Murder Minute. For true crime anytime, download the Murder Minute app or follow us on Instagram at Murder Minute.